Hi everyone. We will get to environmental issues a bit later, but first I want to share some thoughts and then I'm sure Alistair will join and, and we will move to the environment. But first of all this, I have tried and I, I really tried to find another subject to talk about in this podcast than the horrible school shooting. This brutal murder of 19 children and then two of their teachers. And I tried to tell myself that this podcast is about the environment and not about gun laws and that it is about the planet and not just about the problems in one specific country and that this podcast is supposed to be one in a light tone focusing on the beauty of nature and on, on solutions to the crisis that we are facing. But I couldn't. This This shooting is just too important to ignore for the very simple reason that all that I mentioned is all related to each other. The United States of America is still the most powerful country on the planet. And what happens in the United States is therefore relevant to all of us, whether we like it or not. And when we live in a time where globally populism wins from science and where democracy is under threat everywhere, we should all keep an eye on, on what is happening in the United States. And that picture is not a very pretty one. This is no longer the United States that I grew up with, the country that sacrificed hundreds of thousands of their young soldiers to liberate us from tyranny. This is a country where democracy is under threat from a powerful right-wing minority. Imagine the horror of a Western country where guns are the leading cause of death for children. That is now the leading cause. It's not traffic. It is not some kind of disease. It is not suffocation or all kinds of other things that could happen to children. 90% of the Americans want to protect their children from gun violence. But those in power in Washington are not able to deliver even the slightest progress in the laws that the people are asking for. That is not only a threat to the lives of more kids at more schools all over the country because the next shooting will take place. This is a threat to democracy itself. After having liberated Europe from Nazism, the US fought the other evil system of communism until it collapsed some 30 years ago. Or in other countries, adapted itself into such a capitalist version that Marx, Marx himself would not recognize the slightest bit of this vision. And it's not the vision that he had. And um, it, it, uh, if, if Marx would be here, he wouldn't recognize what he would see. And somehow, in the late 1980s, in the early 1990s, the fight against communism was replaced by a fight against government in general and Democrats run governments in particular. And since then, Americans increasingly find themselves in a system that doesn't seem to be doing what the majority of the people want. Corporate money was taken over. Um, they, they've taken over the elections, and therefore politicians take care of business interest much more than the people's interest. Only one Republican president since has been elected by the majority of the voters, and twice the popular vote went to a Democrat 
while a Republican became president. And recently, 19 states have adopted their voting laws in a way that this same um, group of, of Republicans will get even a much more positive outcome in the next elections. It is likely that with exactly the same election result as in the, in the last elections, Trump would have been re-elected with the laws that are now in place. And the reputation of the Supreme Court that has a majority of this Republican minority is under threat as well, especially after recently leaked plans for reversing Roe versus Wade. And again, this is not representing the majority of the will of the people. And more importantly, it raises questions about possible lying under oath when these judges said that they accepted Roe versus Wade as established law. And the Supreme Court, controlled by six Republican-appointed justices, is expected to rule in the coming weeks in a case that may further dilute gun licensing nationwide. This is, again, not what the people want. Nineteen children have been murdered, and I read somewhere 19 innocent children, as if there is even one child in this world that would have done anything that deserves being slaughtered like this. Democrats are demanding action. Republicans are, as usual, just trying to change the subject, and time works in their favor. They know from experience that before long, attention turns elsewhere. And the American trauma is at new heights, but the leaders of this country don't deliver what the people are calling for. And this is not the democracy that the people in the United States deserve. They want, in a vast majority, reasonable gun laws, and they want protection of their reproductive rights, and they want equality before the law, and they want better education, and they want better health care, as the people in Europe all experience that. And they want funding for infrastructure, and they also want, and that brings us maybe back to the core of this podcast, they also want climate action. But they live in a country that speaks about democracy, but where their representatives are unable or unwilling to deliver what they ask for. And these structural flaws in the most powerful country on this planet are dangerous for us all because there's no functioning mechanism in place to deliver what people are asking for. And the planet is rapidly developing into a global tinderbox that may ignite into devastation and suffering on a much, much larger scale than we see it now. And many of us will see this happening in our lifetimes. And we are somehow unable to stop this process. And the frustration that I feel when seeing the pictures of the murdered children and when reading their names and reading about their parents and loved ones is a small piece of a much bigger frustration that I feel when a country is structurally denying good governance to the people that need it and that ask for it. And with that... I did a quite unusual opening of this podcast, and I know this is about other issues, and this is not the tone that we usually have in this podcast, but I've read too much, I've seen too much in these these, these past days of, of what's happening in America, and it, 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 it pains me, it frustrates me, just like the same feeling that millions of other people have. So with that, with this different start, um, but not completely unconnected to the issues that we normally talk about in this podcast because it is all a question of having leaders taking responsibility and delivering the kind of 
regulations and laws and also moral guidance that the people need. And I don't see enough of that. And I, I fear that we're, we're in for more trouble if the structural flaws in this system are not repaired. So um, with that, I took way more time than I should, and I should normally uh, have introduced Alistair in the very first line, which I did it. But welcome, Alistair. I know that you're on the other end of the line. I know you're back in um, in Oslo, and I'm, I'm sure you'll follow this news as well. Perhaps you can give a bit yeah. of a European perspective here. Yeah, thanks, Alex. It's a grim week, isn't it, when a war in Ukraine is shoved from the headlines by an event in Texas. Um, but it's such a terrible tragedy. It's been the top of the news here in Europe, of course, for the last few days as well. Just so horrendous. And um, I was watching the news this evening, and you know, with and and I think people in Europe are just stunned at the way that this is handled, and that the way that guns are such a part of American culture in many states that um, this can be spun as you know any step towards regulating gun ownership is seen as they're coming to take your guns away. Uh, the Second Amendment is under threat. Um, the 1689 Bill of Rights in the United Kingdom has a, had a clause saying that you know Protestants should be allowed to have guns, basically. But um, you know nobody goes back to that and says, "Hey, everybody, we need to arm ourselves in the United Kingdom." Um, you know, we had one. There was one terrible. I, I suddenly have a bad connection. Can can other people hear you correctly? Oh, um, I hope so. But anyway, if I shall, I keep trying. I'll try and speak a bit louder. Perhaps does that work? Can you hear me, Alex? Yeah. Let's let's keep going. So, in the United Kingdom, at least, there was a Dunblane massacre. In 1996, when a guy burst into a, a school and shot dead 16 pupils and a teacher, um, that immediately led to reform of gun laws, which now means that handguns are pretty much banned in the UK. You have to you have to go to a gun shooting club if you want to practice target shooting with your with a handgun. Uh, just one event, horrific event as well, happened and. You know, of course, we remember Sandy Hook a, 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 a decade ago where 20 young children were, were shot in a school in the United States. And the, the views afterwards, well, you know, if, if this doesn't cause serious reforms, what will? If the deaths of children doesn't lead to reforms, what will? So, yeah, it's been a strange week when, again, you, we have the war in Ukraine. Um, we have the burning planet, um, and of course we have this utter tragedy in Texas, of, which just upends our expectations of how the society sh can run itself, should be run. Um, yes, this was one crazed person doing it, but um, there is there are some wider fixes that need to be put in place, as you said, Alex. So yeah, but um, as you say, this is this is. <laughs> A bleak start to a podcast that's meant to be about we're talking about the wider issues for the planet, um, and uh, yeah, um, we should go back to that 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 theme, I guess. Um, perhaps we should start off with the World Economic Forum, where John Kerry was there, the U.S. climate envoy um, was there in Davos, um, the Swiss resort where the world's elites normally gather back in the winter. Um, this time round, uh, he was there. 
uh, saying that the global energy crisis caused by the war in Ukraine shouldn't deepen the world's dependence on fossil fuels uh, causing climate change. Um, you know, that's been a recurring theme in this podcast too, that the way that the, the war is either making people shift more towards uh, looking for fossil fuels or strengthening people's uh, resolve to, to break away from dependence on Russia, Russia's oil exports. You know, Kerry says there has to be a resupply to Europe of gas that has been lost in the cutoff from Russia. So somewhere it's the, the gas that Europe needs has got to come from somewhere else. But then he, you know, he warns that um, no one should believe that the crisis of Ukraine is an excuse to suddenly build up, build up the old kind of infrastructure that we had. We have to be much smarter than that, given the stakes. So, you know, we're, we're struggling with inflation in many countries. In the UK, it's touched, it's risen to close to 10% a year. And there's fears of uh, recession and sanctions of, as, as, these, um, as the sanctions have tightened supply against Russia. So, you know, Kerry talks about no room for backsliding. Um, there's emissions have risen 6%. And uh, there's been a nine percent increase in the he in the use of coal. So yeah, you know, he says that we have to go ahead with um, renewable energy technology as a key solution for for keeping warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial times, which was the the goal of the Paris Agreement. Um, you know, we cannot be seduced into believing that this suddenly is an open door to going back and doing what we were doing, which created this crisis in the first place. So yeah, we're back to thinking about um, the the, uh, the the wider issues here of the of the planet um, beyond this utter tragedy that we've confronted in Texas in the last few days. So Alex, maybe um, yeah, <laughs> what what are your thoughts on on what Kerry said there? I yeah so I I'll I'll take off from here. I had difficulties uh hearing some of what you said. I'm not sure if other people had the same. I didn't see any comments in the chat. Um uh, my situation for those that are listening and joined a little bit later is that I'm here in Ottawa and since uh, 6 days after a huge storm possibly climate change related uh there is no electricity in still large parts of Ottawa. So um I live in uh, in a house without Wi-Fi, without electricity, without warm water. But I found a shelter in an office where there's Wi-Fi and there's electricity. And uh, therefore, I'm on a Wi-Fi that I normally don't use. So maybe it was, maybe the problem was on my side that I couldn't really hear. But you can hear me. In that case, just put up your thumb. I see some nodding. So, okay, then uh, then, uh, then that is better. So, yeah, you, you rightly brought it back to uh, to environment uh, and to John Kerry, whom I must say I admire uh, in, in for many reasons, uh, including for um, uh, the role that he played uh, at, um, uh, in, in 2015 uh, in Paris. He's, he's one of the architects of the, the Paris Agreement. Uh, and also now reminding us uh, that uh, there is, um, uh, apart from all kinds of uh, relatively short-term upheavals that are taking place, there is still the issue of climate change. And I think of the three problems that we discussed of, uh, of the school shooting and of uh, the war in Ukraine uh, and of climate change, 
um, for the first two, you could say it is caused by a madman, uh, whereas the third one, uh, we're all a bit mad in not taking action on climate change, but that one is much more compl complicated, and therefore we need the best leaders um, to focus on uh, on an issue like that. Um, just yesterday, uh, I had in uh, the podcast um, uh, a, a talk about uh, from, from with uh, the, the Rainforest Foundation in Norway uh, about rainforest and uh, especially from from the point of view of um, uh, of, of uh, uh, using products from rainforest like like from cut for rainforest like soy and palm oil that is used uh, to energize uh, let's say to to fuel our cars um, and uh, as as a replacement for fossil fuels and the EU policy and I think there's there's more news on 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 the rainforest today. Uh, President uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil uh, this week signed up a degree to step up fines for environmental crimes, and that is uh, that's a U-turn for a president who is, by quite a few people, uh, being accused for the very same thing of kind of criminal neglect of the rainforest. Um, so that's an interesting step and. Since he came to power in 2019 as as uh, a Latin American right-wing populist, uh, very much in the mold of, of uh, then uh, U.S. President Donald Trump, um, Bolsonaro almost always sided with the farmers, the loggers, the miners, and, and all the industry. And he just, he largely ignored all the calls to, to protect the Amazon. And so even so this week, Bolsonaro signed the new degree uh, decree that that includes steps to protect the forest, and it would, for instance, raise fines for falsifying documents to cover up illegal logging and to step up punishments for repeat offenders and reduce the backlog of fines that haven't yet been collected. So, let's hope this is good a good news story about the Amazon rainforest for once, because. We know, we actually discussed this yesterday briefly, um, that um, another previous uh, uh, Lula government, um, it, it there was really an improvement in the policies towards uh, the Amazon, but it, it really got worse when Bolsonaro took over. So we're quite used now to hearing grim stories of logging and burning forest and, and make way for cattle ranching and, and crops like soybeans. But there are good reasons for a big dose of skepticism about the apparent change of heart of Bolsonaro. He's sometimes called the, the Trump of the tropics uh, for his uh, variable, variable connection to the truth. It was also, to come back to the earlier topic, uh, Donald Trump who announced that he would take measures on gun control. He never followed up, he never pushed for it. But he did, after one of those massacres, actually say that. So this might, unfortunately, fall in the same segment, but let's be hopeful. Maybe something happen happens. Uh, tropical rainforests are the lungs of our planet, or people call them sometimes the cathedrals of biodiversity, and they're vital to all our well-being and, and the diversity of the animals and planets on the Earth. So let's hope that... Uh, this is finally some good news today, that this is actually a step to uh, to safeguard these forests. Yeah, Bolsonaro has been kind of uh, back and forward on this subject, hasn't he? 
at one time saying he's protecting the forest at other times the way his actions have gone but yeah so let's say let's hope that this is right but some environmentalists are saying that this decree is a sort of fig leaf to cover up his inaction and they doubt that he's suddenly gone green um, it's like a quotes applying a band-aid to a broken bone uh, an associated press report quoted one environmentalist Suele Araujo as saying Araujo is a senior public policy specialist at the Climate Observatory, a network of environmental groups. He said this decree means absolutely nothing. So <laughs> pretty condemning of it. So they say that it's a, the environmentalists say that this decree is a face saving way to address a lawsuit in the Supreme Court that accuses the Bolsonaro government of ceasing to prosecute environmental crimes. He's kind of given carte blanche to the loggers and the farmers to clear the forests, or at the same time talking of uh, fines, but with, without ever really imp imposing them. So AP says that among the flaws in the current legislation, they say that fines are allowed to expire without being paid. If you, if you contest them for long enough, they just sort of run out which sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? You know, if you don't pay a fine, it just goes away. You know, I've got a lot of traffic uh, <laughs> parking fines over the years. In which my are, country, they I only go wish... up if you don't pay. <laughs> yeah, they go up and up and up, don't they? Yeah, until they're unpayable. <laughs> so this, this, at the center of this lawsuit in the Supreme Court in Brazil is something called reconciliation centers that Bolsonaro created in 2019 where... Anybody accused of environmental crime can contest these fines. So you can then go into this process of contesting them and you just try and drag it out forever. Um, so, you know, the environmentalists have harshly criticized these um, reconciliation centers as allowing too many crimes to go unsanctioned. It's a real mess. Yeah, this, this is uh, this is exactly the op the opposite way these things go in 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 my country in the Netherlands. By the way, I I'm I seem to be the only one that has difficulties in hearing everything because I see a comment from um, Ida who typed that she could hear you very well. So the the problem is fully oh, on uh, on my side. Um, and yes, uh, thanks, no, I I once. Um, <laughs> just just before I moved to Stockholm, now some what is it? Uh, some some seven years ago, I think. I uh, got a speeding ticket because I literally drove 51 kilometers per hour where I was allowed to drive 50. So I got the minimum amount fine, which was 20 euros, which was sent in an envelope to my house. But I had already moved to Stockholm. So um, by the time that I finally came to say hello to the people that had rented the house, and I, uh, they said, by the way, there's some mail for you. There was a whole pile of mails, and after like two months, they doubled it to 40, and then they doubled it to 80. And when I opened that letter, it said, buy, and they gave a date, which was tomorrow. It will be 160 if you don't pay, so I quickly paid uh, $80. I think that is something that should inspire Bolsonaro for better policies. So, um, yes. yeah, but let's go back to Brazil, because I'm, I'm completely off topic here, I realize. Um, at, um, at 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 the COP26 summit in Glasgow last year, um, Brazil was among those 141 countries that pledged to halt and reverse deforestation by 2030. And 
they included also China, the United States, and Russia, and Indonesia, and, and the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And these are highly important uh, countries uh, to have on that list. Some people had forgotten that they had pledged that already once before, and everybody forgot about those pledged. So this <laughs> time we have to keep them to this pledge, even if it is uh, only by uh, 2030, uh, which is uh, still seven and a half years away. But first, our vital stores of carbon because trees they they soak it up as they grow uh, their their leaves and their branches and their roots and and they also lose it when they rot or when they burn what is more and more often the case and if if tropical deforestation was a country it would rank third in greenhouse gas emissions uh, with a number of about six billion tons so that is behind china and the us but that is still ahead of all the emissions of the European U Union. So let's hope that uh, this is the start of a Brazilian turnaround. The world needs it. We, we need Brazil on board. It is such a highly important country when we talk about both uh, the, the conservation of uh, biodiversity as well as uh, their enormous impact on, uh, on climate change. And among the other reasons for skepticism, when you when we think about this, uh, Bolsonaro has disappointed so often in the past. I mean, like last year, deforestation in, in Brazil's Amazon rainforest was soaring 22%, which was the highest level since 2006. And and the go these are numbers from the government's annual report. And uh, that flies in the face of assurances by Bolsonaro that the country is 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 acting to reduce forest losses. We just don't see it. We don't even see it in their own numbers. So in his 2018 campaign, uh, the, the former army captain was criticizing what he called an industry of fines that was created by environmental agencies to persecute the farmers. And there's a new presidential election coming up in October this year, and deforestation typically rises in, in an election year. Of course, there are also voters, especially in the urban areas, who want to see signs that Brazil is safeguarding the forest and its natural wonders. But, yeah, we have to see what, uh, what's happening. Yeah. In this election, as you mentioned earlier, Bolsonaro is going to be trying to win against former president Lula da Silva, who was in Do charge you, from 20... I don't hear you. Are you... Yet you don't hear me? Ah, can anybody else hear me? I, I can see my little circle is lighting up, so I see a few signs of okay. Uh, so I'll plow on. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just speak very loud. Um, <laughs> so Lula da Silva, who was president from 2003 to 10 and has a big lead in the polls before the election. So, you know, Bolsonaro's in trouble from a lot of on a lot of other fronts. He's being criticized for his handling of COVID-19, the pandemic, the deforestation. He's also made Trump-like claims about fake news of anybody who criticizes him. And he said that Brazil's electronic voting system is vulnerable to fraud. And of course, also in the mix here is that, um, is that, um, the world food the world is facing a food crisis because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Farmers are under pressure around the world to produce more to head off hunger and famine. And of course, Brazil is already among the world's top food exporters. It's the top producer of soybeans 
and sugarcane, for instance. So the farmers there, from an economic perspective, are under pressure to to convert more forests to 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 um, to, to to farmland. So let's hope that doesn't happen in the same way as Kerry says we shouldn't use this as an ex, as a as a um, as an excuse to develop fossil fuels. We also shouldn't use this as an excuse to burn down the forests. Um, they're both sources of, fo- of greenhouse gas emissions that we just don't need. So you know, food pr- food prices have re- already risen sharply around the world because of the war. Um, you know, just last week in New York, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the conflict, combined with the effects of climate change and the pandemic, quotes, threatens to tip tens of millions of people over the edge into food insecurity, followed by malnutrition, mass hunger and famine. So, finally, you know, fingers crossed that Bolsonaro is sincere on, on this front and that times really are changing in Brazil. We certainly need some good news this week. Yeah, yeah, so, I think so yeah. too. You're actually referring to the times that are changing, which was one of the songs that we discussed in the uh, podcast uh, with Vanessa Champion on what was it last Monday, uh, right. where we spoke about um, pop music, about uh, environmental issues, and uh, Dylan was uh, was uh, was was mentioned, um, and um, uh, and so were some of his girlfriends actually were passing on in that uh, podcast. So we we had we're quite a diverse podcast. Uh, so it's funny that you're referring to the times they are changing. Uh, and <laughs> yes. yes, let's hope so, because uh, because we need to. I mean, uh, looking at the themes of, of, of today's podcast, I mean, gosh, man, there's just so much, so much that needs to change uh, on this world. Um, so I hope that um, uh, some... Um, uh, some people are listening to our call for for um, for a better world, uh, and and that awareness is growing about the issues uh, that we are talking about. Because I think the ultimate, um, the most important message I think of all this is that um, we're not talking about some kind of natural phenomenon or something. We're we're talking about governance issues when you. When you have to deal with too many guns in society that are killing people, it's not uh, anything else than that. Because we know from other countries, if you take guns out of society, the problem is basically over. Um, That is a governance issue. And not taking action on climate change is basically the same thing. It is... uh, it is a problem that we can solve. All reports that scientists write, they say, well, we have to hurry, but if we act now, we have the knowledge and we have the technology, and financially, we can also we can also survive by taking right action. Actually, it is way cheaper to take now action instead of waiting longer. So all the right arguments are there, and then it just asks for brave politicians, brave governments, brave representatives that are taking their responsibility and that don't put their own income, which is often connected to to money from industries, they shouldn't put their own self-interest first, but really the interest of the people. And uh, at the end of the day, 
all the people in the world are better off if we if we take climate action. And it's it's so frustrating to see that um, government is not functioning as it should. And that makes it perhaps so relevant uh, to start with the, the blatant example of what was happening now in this in this school shooting. I mean that that's trauma that's created there. This 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 brutal slaughter is a typical example of what happens when politicians don't take their responsibility. And now they are immediately those responsible, and that's in this case very clearly, we talk about the Republican Party, you immediately see that those responsible are trying to to turn the whole debate in a different direction when Beto O'Rourke um, stepped up to the stage um, to to uh, to to address uh, the governor in Texas, uh, he he was shouted that you are politicizing this problem, but you need politicians to solve a problem. That is exactly what they are there for. That is what they're supposed to do. That's why people vote for them, and that is the same with climate change. Um, we we just need politicians that take this seriously, and it's. I must say it is hard to find. I think even in, in in the elections that I participate in as a voter, because I'm not a politician and I promise I will never in my life become a politician, I find it difficult to find the politicians that are really sincere and that are that are really trustworthy and that are really doing what they are saying because often they promise too much. They promise too much on, on all sides, on all coins to everybody. They should just honestly say, you know, if we take these measures, there will be some pain, and that pain will be on this and this and these places. Um, but you will get a lot of a lot of it back uh, for that, and and too often you don't see it too much. And um, yeah, when you look about those shootings, I don't know where the pain is. Is is the pain that some people cannot have a gun at their home? What kind of pain is that? I don't have a gun at home. I don't feel any pain. So maybe I'm missing something, but I can clearly see where the pain is, and that is not with the people whose guns may be taken in. So all this, I think in general, this this the Planet podcast and news to bigger picture, it is often about governance because at the end of the day, that is where um, where the the solutions lie. It is two fields. One is technology. And uh, the other one is governance. And I'm always quite positive about technology, um, but I'm quite pessimistic, grown over the years, um, about uh, governance. I see a comment coming in from Sharon in Arizona saying, sitting in Arizona, listening to two of the world's best advocates for the planet, speaking with more passion and knowledge of the horrors of gun violence than a lot of Americans have. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Yes, there's a lot of passion. Thank in you, here. Sharon. There's a lot of frustration about what I see because I I deeply I deeply love the United States of America as a country I've been there a lot I've lived there uh, and I just I just I can't stand the horror that I'm seeing I'm sure you feel the same Alistair yeah I've lived there too for a year um, 10 years ago and um, exactly I can't I can't fathom the horror that this is um, and that it's continued to be. And as you say, it's just this question of governance. And we see this in action on, on subjects that look from the outside. If you look down from Mars and sort of said, how would you run this place um, in a sensible way? 
Um, you have overwhelming evidence that the planet is overheating because of climate change. You have overwhelming evidence that um, I saw a statistic, you know, that 45,000 people are lost, lives are lost to gun violence in the United States a year against um, fewer than 10 in Japan, typically. Um, it just seems like, you know, the, the answers to these problems are, are, are obvious to us or should be, and that um, there is some sort of tribalism that gets in the way of solving these problems, which we somehow have to overcome. I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, for the for the planet, the environment needs concerted action. It's not going to work if everybody goes it alone and we have a swing back and forward from one administration that wants to act and then the next one comes up with a diametrically opposite solution to the problem and says, no, no, let's produce more coal. Um, as John Kerry was saying in one of the things we were referring to there, um, you know, you can't use a war in Ukraine as an excuse to pump more oil and gas. Um, you can't use an election in Brazil as an excuse to, uh, to, to allow people to start burning down the forest just because it's popular with some people. We've got to find some long-term solutions to all of these problems, don't we? Just as you said that, um, governance, governance, please. It's a boring word, but it's it's really crucial, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. Well, with that, um, I think we um, we should uh, we should end today's uh, podcast. Um, I think we'll be uh, back uh, next week, uh, same time, same place. But I'm going to double double check. So stay with me for one second. I'm now in my agenda. And I guess Alistair is too. And uh, that should uh, work, I think. Uh, let me uh, let me check. Um, I think, yeah, that is that is okay. That's going to work. So that is for me, second uh, of June. I'm now looking at Alistair. I see thumbs up there. Thumbs so up. I'm not uh, sure you can hear me yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, I can. No, I have really difficulties hearing you. So we, we our sign language is getting better by the minute. Um, and um, no, so next week, uh, 2nd of June, same time, I will be uh, at that moment in Europe with hopefully much better Wi-Fi than this time. And uh, we'll, um, we'll be there. Uh, there will also be uh, the usual other podcast uh, with Vanessa, but that time may have to change. I actually did change it already uh, to, um, uh, oh gosh, I got now so many time differences. I will announce that, but it will be earlier than uh, the normal, I think. Um, but it's, this is, I cannot make this calculation while talking. So I will announce when we will do the one with Vanessa. It will be on Monday 30, and we will have the one uh, with Alistair on Thursday at the normal time, 3 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, I will probably uh, be in the air somewhere on Sunday um, towards, uh, towards the end of the day, as I usually do, often at uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time uh, in the afternoon. So uh, with that, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, Alistair, for always being here. It's always fun to do this together. Thanks. And I um, hope to see you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Alex. See you soon.